0: Hello, and welcome to the second chapter, season four. I'm your host, Kristen Duffy, and I am thrilled to be back with more women over 35 sharing stories of their lives and careers. This little podcast is growing. So a huge thank you to all of our loyal listeners. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome, have a listen, and then please recommend to a friend. I want to share these stories of amazing women, 35 plus with as many people as we can reach. This week, I'm speaking with Jessica Wright and Tracy Hornick. Jessica and Tracy were friends as teenagers, and though life took them on separate paths, they eventually reconnected and started working together. They now run She's On Top, a community of women celebrating women, connecting, elevating, and celebrating female entrepreneurs through cross-promotion, training videos, and podcasting.
1: It's always been a passion of mine to encourage women to, first of all, they can do whatever they want to do, but we also have to support each other, and that's really important.
2: I'd say that too, and I don't think I would add to that. I think Tracy, if she'd probably agree if we've had wonderful lives, but this is one of the best periods of our lives. There's a lot of information that young women get that life gets more challenging, or you lose your value as you get older, and that is not the way that we feel. Hi,
0: Tracy and Jessica. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you Bye. both? <laughs>
2: We're perfect. Thank you so much for
1: having us. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here.
0: As you both know, this is the first time I have had two guests on the second chapter. So (laughs) I'm really excited. I'm excited for this adventure. Uh, But I have both of you here because you are running a very cool female-led company together. You've known each other and been friends for about 30 years. Can you tell us a little bit about your background together?
1: Absolutely. I'm originally from London, just where you are now, from Northwest London. And I moved here when I was 16. And Jessica was actually one of my first friends. She was dating my boyfriend is at the time best friend. So we became really good friends. And she ended up marching as a bridesmaid at my wedding. And I'm now subsequently divorced, but Jessica and I are still friends, but <laughs> we had lost touch and over the years. And then we reconnected because I had made a short documentary, which she saw on LinkedIn. And when I met Jessica, she told me about a project she was thinking of doing, which got us down the road where we are now. But I, maybe actually, Jessica, maybe you want to fill in about that because it was your idea.
2: Yeah, it was so funny because Tracy put this documentary film on LinkedIn. And like the last time I'd seen Tracy, she'd been a mother. She'd been running goods trading. And I'm like, what's going on? And I had a television background. So it really piqued my interest. And at that time, I just got out of television. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had a feeling that the digital was the way to go. And so I had an idea for trying to create a kind of lifestyle channel online. And (laughs) Tracy being Tracy was like, I'll do that. I'll do that with you. Let's do it. And I was like, "Wow, I, I didn't even know I was going to do it, but I have to now." She, which was great because she had to, she brings so much enthusiasm. So off we went. Like she, neither one of us. I had we had no real understanding of social media. We didn't even tweet. We had no really understanding of digital. So we thought this is just genius. This is what we should be doing because we have no idea but we figured it out as we (laughs) went.
1: Yeah, I I just jump in because I know this is about second chapters, but like my background actually, when I came to to Canada, I went to law school, I became a lawyer, I practiced law for several years. And then I went and ran a a family gift business, a wholesale gift company. Then I, while I was getting divorced, I ended up getting into photography and then that turned to documentary. So I've had several careers along the way. So I really didn't know what I was getting into. It just sounded like a really good idea and Jessica suggested it, (laughs) but I really had no idea. We had no idea about YouTube or anything. So it was really quite a journey.
0: <laughs> I do think it's really interesting because like you said, Jessica, you had a lot of background when it came to TV and things like that. So I would just immediately assume you'd be the one who said, I've got this idea. I know exactly what I'm doing. Whereas Tracy might be like, oh, I've you know put a documentary and I, I was a lawyer. So I'm really intrigued that you both came together because of a similarity, but obviously you've utilized each other's differences as well when it comes to having this business.
2: Yeah, I think that story demonstrates Tracy. It's absolutely what I love about her. Is it's First of all, if you tell Tracy she can't do something, look out, because it <laughs> will get done. <laughs> and secondly, I said to her years later, I'm like, why on earth did you decide that you? we hadn't cooked up in a long time? She goes, I don't know. I just had this feeling this was something that I wanted to do. So she also really trusts her instincts. And so both of those have worked really well in our business partnership as well. Because when I was telling her the story, it wasn't like I was pitching it. I was like, oh, I think I had this idea. And she was like, great, let's do it. it. Was I was like, okay. And it, it was great because it propelled me forward.
0: So Tracy, why were you making a documentary film? Because I know you said you got into photography, but how did that even come about?
1: Okay, I've always loved documentaries. I've always loved film. And My brother actually passed away, and I wanted to do a documentary about his life. And so I had looked up programs, and I found this amazing program. It was like a four-month intense summer program about making a documentary. So I thought that's perfect for me, and I'd always been interested in documentaries anyway. So I took the program, and the documentary was about my brother, and that's how I got into documentary filmmaking.
0: Jessica, your television background had a lot to do with docu-television, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I always say I think of myself as a storyteller. I started off in my 20s and I started doing I did a little bit of improv comedy. I did stand-up and my stand-up was basically just telling stories from my life and I always liked humor and then uh, the first job I got was YTV in Canada, which was a brand new network for children's television and I fell into that through serendipity through, and that's a whole longer story, but I, I got my first job there writing for a kid's comedy show. And then for over the 20 years, I was really lucky because I got to work in children's television. I got to write for animation. I went on to direct lifestyle. Then I went on to direct documentary. And then I got into producing. And then, you know, in the last, I'd say five or six years, TV turned into reality and reality competition. And that's actually when I lost my joy for it. Because the first part was, very collaborative and fun and joyful and positive. And I found that when we got to the reality and the reality competition, it was the exact opposite of my nature. And there was a lot of toxicity in it. So that's why I was like, where can I, I love what I do. How can I do this in a different way?
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued with what you said about reality t- TV, because I do think I personally consider myself a storyteller as well, and that's why I do this podcast, and that's why I have a production company that the aim is to tell the stories of women 35 plus, and I just love stories. But oddly, reality TV, which should be about our stories, has become such a toxic environment that as a storyteller, it it becomes a difficult place to be.
2: Yeah, and I don't believe, and and I had a personal experience in this is that you know what you are in one thing you are in everything, and you cannot create that kind of toxicity, television without having it on the production side as well. When you're out there trying to, to say th- to get people to say challenging things about themselves or whatever you're doing, and not all reality, I had a lot of reality program where it was um, it's actually the only stuff I did. I never really did the stuff that was toxic. I can't do it but i but in general i just find that was the thing that kind of turned me off of the whole reality television was that it wasn't positive it was joyful and i don't think it was in the the, some of the shows in the best interest of people i remember feeling like it'd been a few years and thinking i had to remind myself why i got into tv and why i loved it and then think to myself okay that's gone which means maybe i need to be gone
0: That makes sense. So the two of you were friends and then lost touch a bit. Was that just life getting in the way or? This isn't like reality TV question.
1: (laughs) What's the scandal? There was no scandal. I ended up, I went to law school and I became a lawyer. Jessica went on Went to, she traveled, she She can tell you. She went to, I think, Australia, New Zealand. She studied film. We still kept in touch. She's still friendly. But then like I got married and had kids and I went into it and we just went on different paths. We were on different paths. so We just lost touch. There was no falling out. In fact, over the years, I think every three or four years, we'd like email each other or go out for a coffee. And then when I got, when I got divorced, I remember reaching out to Jessica because your life changes. And suddenly I'm like calling all of the old friends <laughs> that I can find. So I remember reaching out to her and, and we set up a day, but we never really got together. So it was just life got in the way. It wasn't until I you know, posted this documentary on LinkedIn and Jessica saw it. And I guess she was intrigued that this is what I was now doing because she knew me as a lawyer and, and as a working my family business. So she said, oh, that's really cool. Like you've done this documentary. Let's get together. And that's that started our whole amazing journey.
0: It seems clear to me, okay, I started taking fo- doing photography after my divorce, but how did the lawyer to gift world happen?
1: <laughs> I was practicing law. I was a litigation lawyer. And then my unfortunately, my father became sick. He got stomach cancer. And he had a very successful wholesale gift company. And... Um, I had said to him, if you want, I can step in and learn the business. And he said, yeah, that's what you want to do. So I left practicing law and I went to join the family business. And I, for three years while he was alive, I learned from him, I studied under him. And then when he passed away, I ran that business with my mother and it was quite a big business. It was wonderful. And actually while I was in that business, my, my dad had actually given me a camera because we used to shoot our own catalogs. He used to shoot them and he taught me how to shoot the content for the catalogs, all the gifts we were buying, the books the Christmas decorations. And when he passed away, I just loved this camera. And I started just taking pictures of my kids and my friends' kids. And then I thought, I'll go and take some courses. So I went to a college here in Toronto and I took some photography courses. And then friends started saying, oh, we love your pictures. And one of my friends said, could you shoot my son's bar and I'm like what this is just a fun hobby for me and that and this was around the time I was getting divorced and and, oh sorry I should say in the meantime we had actually sold we'd actually closed down and sold our business it had become too much my mother and I I was having more children and we decided just to get out of the business so this sort of hobby of photography became a business and it was wonderful while I was divorced because I had young children and I could work it into my life I could still be with the kids and then I could shoot so I ended up shooting portraits and shooting events and That's how it all. It was very serendipitous. It was never a plan that I thought of. It just happened.
0: It is interesting because so many people I talk to, it, it becomes kind of serendipity. Which, in a way, you two coming back together and starting this business, you happen to see this documentary, and it was like, oh, let's talk about it. So Jessica comes along, casually mentions this idea. (laughs) And next thing you know, Tracy has this, let's do it. Jessica, what was this idea?
2: Well, it's funny because I was saying like in my early part of my career, I did a little like comedy and stand up. And weirdly, it's so funny. In my late 20s, I worked in sales and I worked for a greeting card company. So Tracy and I were almost in the same business then. We used to run into each other in trade shows and stuff like that. My sister still runs a wholesale company. I worked for my sister for a while. And so it was weird. We crossed paths at different times. And I would agree with Tracy about this serendipitous thing because she had reached out a couple of times. But at the exact time I saw the documentary was exactly when I was like, I want to get out of television. And I had this idea. So it it felt sort of divine time. And the idea, it was very loose. It was basically a little bit of stuff on YouTube. And I knew that how-to was super popular. And I'd also heard that comedy was super popular. So I thought, how can we combine how-to with comedy? And so I reached out to a friend of mine, Albert, who was a comedian. He'd done Second City and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, what if I can take these stars that I'd worked with from TV that you know worked in gardening, and lifestyle, and home renovation, I had three or four friends, and another woman I'd met on a reality show who was a cook, and get them to teach my comedy friend who knows how to do nothing, how to do stuff, so he can play (laughs) the everyman, and he was hilarious, and so they were all keen, because they wanted to get into digital, so... Everybody said yes. And we started this first channel that we did called um, Easy TV Online, which is still there. And one of our videos from there has almost a million views, which was how to put a lamp in the ceiling, believe it or not. So Tracy and I spent (laughs) a year doing that and figuring out digital and how to promote it and learning all the social and stuff. And then after a year of doing that and learning a lot, it, it wasn't quite what we wanted to do. And then we thought we got a lot of inquiries because of the quality of the production about just doing production in general, helping other people. So then we thought we'll be a production company. That's what we'll do. No, that didn't work out. So <laughs> We tried that for a year. And we're like, uh. and then we were like missing making, wanting to make our own content. So we literally just got together and we're like, what are we going to do next? And we did some research and we found out that the number one thing researched on YouTube by women was business content, which shocked us. We'd had two years of ourselves going down this female entrepreneurial journey. And so our business plan idea was we'll interview women on YouTube who've become successful because we know how hard it is. And then from a business plan, they'll share our videos and that's how we'll grow. That's how we started. She's on top.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But when we started to talk to these women, it was great because one recommended the other. The conversation changed because originally our, our idea was we're going to do a kind of, these are what you have to do to become a successful entrepreneur. And we had a deeper conversation and the women talked about, it's really lonely, or this took me eight years, or I had to double mortgage my house, or I became successful and had a nervous breakdown, or I'm suffering from imposter syndrome. And there were, not to make it all negative, there was lots of positive things too. But because these really successful women were talking about this, all of a sudden, these other women have started to reach out and say, I love what you're doing. I love these docs. I love that you're having this conversation. And so it's morphed from there into where we are now.
0: It is interesting when you have an idea and a business plan, and this is where I'm going with it, that it doesn't always, obviously, both of you are not averse to change. <laughs> 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 but it is interesting when you start seeing, actually, we could provide more, we could do something that is more useful or more successful, just based on what you're getting the feedback. And I, I'm really interested in building communities around women. You, you saw that need, and then it became a real Group, a membership group for women to support each other. Tracy, what is your kind of role and what were the challenges to get there in, for She's on Top?
1: Oh, wow. What is my role? What, I'm not sure if I have Jess and I... But you we, actually filmed the videos. You had the actual technical Yeah, it's true, actually. Thanks for reminding of my role is, <laughs> is my role. <laughs> uh, when did. we started, I've always been more on the technical side. So when we started, She's on Top, I did, I shot the videos. And I didn't know anything because of my my film background, I knew about how to shoot. But I didn't know anything about audio. So I had to teach myself audio. And that was challenging. I remember we recorded a few things and there was no sound. Because <laughs> I hadn't pressed the sound button. That was a huge learning curve. And then I also was responsible for loading the content to YouTube and um, like just, I don't know, more of that sort of technical stuff. So that was definitely challenging. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thanks for reminding me. So another thing was when we started, it was decided, I don't know who decided that really we should introduce, the yeah, Jessica decided we should int- make it more personal. We should introduce a documentary. So we went out and we shot these incredible women and we got back and we edited, we had a great editor, we put it all together, but we, w- we would do a little introduction and it would mean us going in front of the camera. So the very first time we were going to do it, we had hired one of my friends to shoot the introduction. And I remember like getting dressed and putting on my makeup and coming downstairs and saying, okay, I just can't do this. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to go in front of a camera. And I'm the the camera person. So my friend who was shooting, I don't know if I can say this, like she had a little bit of pot on her. So she it's legal here. So she said, come outside with me. So I went outside with her. I had a few topes of a joint. I got the plane. I said, okay, I can do it now. But I remember standing there with my arms like stiff beside my side and then afterwards when we shot the intro we did a little trailer we sent it out and a lot of people said, oh my God, you guys were so great because I was so sort of awkward and stiff <laughs> and Jess was so very lively and the combination <laughs> of the two of us, people found it really humorous. And they really enjoyed it. So that was, I, that was definitely know. definitely challenging and a lot of fun. So I guess, yeah, that, that's been part of my role. And, but Jess and I do so much together. We edit together and we, we find now we're doing podcasts too because of um, COVID. We can not keep doing our documentaries. We did podcasts. like we, we find the guests. like We both search for guests. We'll share it with each other. Even when we're editing... We, we're, we're so collaborative. We really do so much of it together. I love that. I feel
0: like I'm one of the women that you've made the documentaries about where I'm just like, it's so lonely, but it can be so lonely when you're trying to get a business off the ground. And because I started mine myself, it's like now I'm to the point that I'm like, oh, how do I bring more people in. (laughs) It's such a challenge. So I love this collaborative kind of from the start effort and that you both have such diverse backgrounds, but that they came together. It makes a lot of sense. I'm just waffling now. So I'll probably edit all of that out.
1: (laughs) That's a great thing about this, right? You can edit.
0: (laughs) As I go, let me tell you my life story. That is not important. (laughs) It is
2: important. We would disagree. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jessica, I'd ask you the same question, but I feel like maybe more I'll ask about the challenges since now I know you do so much collaboratively.
2: It's funny. I would say, yeah, I had the television background. but Tracy was shooting or whatever, but I would do the interviews, the POV interviews. So I was the one sort of behind the camera, but throwing out the questions and that kind of stuff. And I was... Was, I love being in an edit suite so I felt very good at putting a narrative together and I had an experience when we were doing the videos in terms of how you can put a story together because as you probably experienced guests are very clear some guests can it, it's it's tricky depending on who it is and so mm-hmm. just the things in, in the, the one thing that's great about video you can cut in text you can cut in you know b-roll which is extra footage you've got a lot of tricks that you can do to really make a, a story strong I think that's one of the reasons we were so successful with our docs off the top is the beauty of Tracy's photography and the fact that the women loved the videos about themselves. They loved the little docs. So they shared them, which is what we hoped. And then that's why women started reaching out. And then the other thing I think that was so interesting for us was it was really has is and has become a combination about as women, how do we define success? Because I think the trouble that a lot of us get into is that we all have What's shown to us is one definition of success, which is a lot of money, groovy lifestyle, a lot of, and I think a lot of women got there to whatever there is. And we're like, oh, I don't feel good. Or this doesn't feel Mm. right. Or, oh, I don't want to do this. And I've spent my time chasing this. And even within She's on Top and our motto became celebrate, elevate, and connect, which is how do we support women to define and become successful on their terms? Because maybe Mm -hmm. success is, I want to work three days a week, or I want more time with my children, or somebody's success might be, I want to have multiple homes. They're all good. But how do we tell as many stories and have a discussion about success so that we all feel successful? There isn't just one definition, so we don't end up in the wrong life
0: having talked to so many people for the podcast that have had multiple chapters in their life, some of them really got to the point where they were like, I'm chasing a success that's not mine, or I'm I'm not sure if I'm happy because I've just been working so hard or pushing those feelings back. I don't think it's just a women's issue in that I heard a A British um, male Olympian talking about how for years, because of the mental health issue that's so around the Olympics this time, but Mm -hmm. he was talking about how he was constantly saying, if I get this championship, if Mm -hmm. I get this medal, if I do this, I'll be happy. And he kept finding himself in this place that he got it and he still wasn't happy. And I do think that's a problem with success in our societies is that we're saying success equals this. But like you say- For some people, success is very different. I went for um, an open water swim at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday the other week. And I was like, yeah, I'm not making a ton of money, but I'm swimming at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday (laughs) Basically.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can say I can totally relate to that because when we started She's on Top, people right, off the, right at the beginning said, are you monetized? Are you making money? And we weren't. We were doing these documentaries and our plan was, our plan, our business plan was <laughs> that we would find corporate sponsors eventually. They'd love these docs and they would sponsor us. Well, of course, this was like when we were just about to pitch to corporate sponsors when COVID hit. So our plans went, went awry. But it was so interesting how people just equated success with, And obviously you have to make money. And now we have a membership and we are making money, but we just love what we do so much. And the fact we get to work together and meet all these amazing women. And we're like, you, we're not rolling in the dough yet, but we love what we're doing. And so I actually feel successful because I really love what I do. I love working with Jessica. I love all the women I meet. It was actually Jessica's idea to do the podcast, which I'm having so much fun with because I'm not in front of the camera. So that's, (laughs) that's really good. And so like, for example, right now, I'm out in BC in British Columbia. And Jessica's in Toronto, so for your British listeners, we're on the opposite ends of, we're like 3,000 miles apart. But we're still able to talk to you in London, and I can go hiking in the afternoons. And I don't know, like, life is great, And but it's not the, it's not the definition of success that other people might think because we're not making millions of dollars a year. Yet, But we maybe we never will.
2: And, but it's funny because I would say our goal from the beginning, because I'm 58, Tracy is 56. So this, we're going into our third act. So our feeling was both of us are lucky enough to own a home. And but, so we were like, okay, we have so much to share. We have so much we want to learn and do, but we want it to be in a, in a, have a balanced lifestyle. And ironically, because of COVID, Zoom has come up and we've had to adapt. So right now, people can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week to have three weeks off and try and get in all their downtime and as Tracy said we're trying to combine the two like she's living in a beautiful place right now we have adaptability on how we can work so it's like how can we create a business that feels like a vacation where we're doing something that we love and not doing it so that we can have three weeks off to enjoy our vacation so it's actually that was our goal but it's it's worked out we've been able to it's come up faster than we thought so that as Tracy said that makes me feel successful
0: Yes. What you've just said leads me to two questions. One being the age thing that you mentioned. I read, Tracy, that your daughters are now in their 20s and starting their own businesses and things like that. So I'm kind of interested how you're hoping to influence younger women who need this community, this elevation, and also how you came up with the idea to make it a membership. So you do have this elevating community that is an actual membership group. That's funny because I've always
1: wanted to inspire young women. When I started out, when I was a lawyer, I had no mentor and there was very, I actually had a couple of men who were supported, but I never had any female mentors. And so as I went through, even when I ran my wholesale company, there was always so many challenges being a woman. And I "I heard Jessica actually ages ago, even when we started TV Online, that maybe one day we could, if we were successful, I would put some money, like supporting women entrepreneurs and Jessica's thing is that she's into animals and saving animals. And so it was always been, it has always been something that I was interested in. So when we created She's On Top, um, I remember running the idea by my daughter. So right now they're 27 and 25, but were, you know, a little bit younger then, and they're maybe a few years younger. And they thought oh, that's a really great idea. It's amazing. And it will definitely appeal to women your age. But as we started doing the documentaries, my daughters loved it. And all their friends started loving in their 20s. In fact, one of my daughter's friends reached out to us about a year ago and said, I love what you're doing so much. And she was working for a big PR company and she had no time. She was, but I'm going to offer my services free to help promote you guys. And so it was really interesting how younger women in their 20s, even though we're in our 50s, really loved this content. And we've had actually a lot of young women reach out to us to volunteer to work with us because they want to promote what we're doing. So that's really exciting for me. It's always been a passion of mine to encourage women to, first of all, they can do whatever they want to do. But we also have to support each other. And that's really important.
2: I'd say that too. And I, I don't think I would add to that. Is I think Tracy are probably and I should probably agree. We've had wonderful lives. But this is one of the best periods of our lives. We're having a great time. We do uh, a lot of work on ourselves. So we, it's even just nice to sort of, there's a lot of information that young women get about that life gets more challenging. Or you, you lose your value as you get older. And that is not the way that we feel. And in fact, most of the women are a group or a lot of the women are a group in their forties and fifties and they're doing amazing things and they're so vital and they're so fun again. They're so creating companies. It just gets better and better. It's just different. And I would say, you know, when Tracy was talking, Tracy, Tracy always wanted to inspire women. I would say my thing that worked well for us is I love to connect people. One of the things that we do in our group is we have all these women, but you hold them and it's like, even within the group, it's so fun to meet these women. and think, oh my God, this woman would connect with this woman and they would do something really cool together and this woman. And I've always been super excited. If I come across something that I believe in that some woman is doing, whether it's a product or a service, I will tell everybody. And it's, I think that's a natural female thing actually, is that we're collaborative, it's probably one of the biggest compliments i got as a producer was that everybody i worked for said you're very collaborative because i i do feel like everybody has a unique value and you never know who's going to bring the great idea to the table and you when you come together it just fires things off so that's a great joy for me the collaboration and the
1: connection as well oh i just want to jump in jessica is an amazing connector like when we get (laughs) off this podcast she's going to connect you to five people (laughs) who will listen to your podcast sponsor your podcast and you might want to work with no pressure yeah.
0: that's the thing that i feel like is a challenge for me at the moment is there's so many people that have reached out to my production company because of the fact that i'm trying to create this this world for women world for women over 35 and i'm to the point that i'm like I don't have this many roles in place that I'm gonna do or many films or there's there's not enough time in my life to do all of these things for all of these people. But I'm really interested in connecting people as well because like you said, I think it is a natural instinct. Why wouldn't I lift up as many women as as many people as I can? But I do love when this community started building, And you start to see, yeah, okay, this person would work well with this person.
1: You also asked like how our membership came about. And it was really through that because when, when we were doing the documentaries, we were already connecting people. And then when COVID hit, we started to do them on Zoom. So we just like would, and we would start like, Connecting women. And I think a few women said to us, one of the women we interviewed, Jennifer Lyle, I think, said to us, you guys are so good at what you do. You should think about creating something along those lines. So even like the idea sort of came from other people mentioning it to us and saying, yes, you have to do this. In fact, and we're like, no, it's COVID. We're not going to ask people to you know pay for a membership. They don't. They said, no, now more than ever, you need to do it. So we were encouraged to do it by the women that we were talking to and interviewing.
2: It's so true, and I would say also at the core of it, which you can prove through science, through movies we've watched through everything, is we are very pro men. We have lots of great men in our lives, but we feel like right now in the world that there's a there's a, what we consider based on a male model, the idea of survival of the fittest and one person at the top and this whole competitive landscape. Women are natural collaborators um, and cooperators, and it's actually a strength. One of the things that we say is, which is true, is you all have a unique value. You're here for a reason. There is no reason to compete. And we have women in our group who have very similar platforms or jobs. Two of them are financial advisors. And what we encourage, what actually happens is they were like, oh, I'm doing that too. I found this worked for me, or this client came in. She's not quite right for me, but I've got somebody else in this group that I'm in. She might be right for you because there's millions of people and you will find your tribe and we always talk about there's this scarcity myth that creates this kind of competition whereas there's not enough and it's a lie like in terms of we know there's we throw up more food than can feed all the people in the world we know we can shelter everybody we know it's just problem with certain people taking more than what they need and we feel that trickles down to a kind of i am not enough and so One of the missions that we consider with our group is just to be like, you know what? When you collaborate, it actually brings in more wealth, more clients into your life. There's more joy because you've got all these women that you're working with. So it helps you feeling like you're not alone. And also, it's pretty great when you do well and you've got all these people thrilled for you. It's like, let's be inspired by each other's success and learn from it as as opposed to feeling less than.
0: It's so funny, the serendipity thing, because I do feel like I'm really lucky in the sense that I bring people on this show. And for some reason, maybe I just need to hear a lot of things, but for some reason, I do feel like people come along at the right time. There is some sort of serendipity, even in my guests where they come on and they say something and I'm like, I've really been thinking about that a lot lately. You come along and you say the right thing at the right time. So I love that scarcity concept. And, I, and like I said before, I'm really trying to figure out how to continue to grow my own tribe. And that was perfect timing for me. So thank you for saying that.
2: (laughs) Oh, great. That's wonderful. Well, it's like, yeah, you know, you're unique. Your tribe is waiting for you. We all just have to figure out how to find them.
0: So as far as your tribe now, the She's On Top membership, how is that going? How are you connecting everyone? And what kind of things are you doing as a group?
1: We have an amazing group of women. They're from all walks of life. We have women who are coaches, um, spiritual coaches, as, and also coaches who coach like in, in play and exercise. We have financial advisors. We have women who are in ad agencies and oh my goodness I can't think filmmakers we have, so f- we have filmmakers. filmmakers we have an amazing f- documentary filmmaker who just wrote her first novel that's doing really well and amazing group of women and when we started out really small we just you know the women that we'd interviewed some of them wanted to be in our membership and it was simply like a little Facebook group where we got to connect and talk with each other and from there what we've done now is we have these things called lunch and learn so we bring in experts and over a lunch period and they teach you for example we have had women Talking about sales, how to publish a book, how to get on a podcast. Different topics that we feel that can help women in their careers. We also actually interviewed an amazing woman who talks about Emily Chang, who talks about your social legacy. And she's actually coming back to teach in September how to have a social, create your own social legacy through your company, through your work. So that's something. And then another thing we instituted was mastermind groups. So a lot of women, we actually, we listen to our members, and they said, we'd love to connect more. So we've created a mastermind groups. So we come together once a month. We break off into groups of four or five, and we mastermind. We go through issues we're having at work or things we just want to... I'm creating a new website. Can I run the wording by you? Just things like that. And we're going to get a bit more detailed in the form, We've decided we're going to make it like fixed groups with a commitment that you have to come so you can, you know show up for your group so we're always morphing and listening to what people want it's fun because one of the things we do too is we
2: we do member monday so we profile our members and the joy of that and we're going to start doing i think live chats and interviewing them on linkedin live but we profiled one of our new members the other day and she emailed back because of that profile i got a client because it's a great way, and it works both ways, because we're basically saying, here's a new member for She's On Top, and we've got lots of new members who are like, oh my god, this friend of mine profiled that she was a She's On Top member, I'm, what is it that you guys do? I'd like to join as well. So this is the collaboration of women working together and supporting each other at work. It's wonderful.
1: It's a real joy. Yeah, and I'd add too that we do a newsletter, just a general newsletter, but we also do one for our members. And we we started that also based on a member's suggestion. And so what we do is we look for things that are interesting related to women and work and things that could help them in business. So if they have a podcast, here's some new tips that just came out or here's a new app that you might want to use. And then what we do is also promote our members through our newsletter. So if they have events or if they have things coming up, we promote it as well through our membership newsletter.
0: Yeah, so we can find you all over the place because you're on YouTube, you have the podcast. <laughs> if There's even more content once you're a member. There's the newsletters. I definitely feel like there is a very supportive network that kind of goes through all of it. And I know listening to the podcast that there were quite a few handy tips and just really interesting stories that you're promoting of women. So we share that in common, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well women have so much to offer boy it's it's fantastic,
0: yeah, why wouldn't we want to promote each other' each other and each other's stories because I, I love hearing them definitely so one of the things I always do on the show is ask people to bring a quote now, as I said, this was the first time I have two people. Do you have individual quotes or do you have a she's on top quote <laughs> <laughs>
2: We've got so many quotes because we have so many women. We're lucky when we have lots to choose from. I tend to go back to one that's my favorite because it's, it's Julie Cole and Julie Cole is one of our members and she in Canada created along with four other women a company called Mabel's Labels and they do labels for kids clothing she started it when she was a mom they started it in their basement grew it grew it grew it to a multi-million dollar company and then sold it and she's also got a personal brand because she's a mother of is it six kids Tracy or five six, six. kids it, six the kids, oldest yeah. one who's autistic so she ended up starting this whole company because she thought she was going to be a lawyer and then her son was autistic. So she was like, I got to create a business I can work from home. So she, And she's a blast. She's so inspirational. She's so kind. Her social media channels are, are very popular through Mabel's Labels and her personal thing. And when we interviewed her, we were like, what advice do you have for women entrepreneurs? And she said, get comfortable being uncomfortable it circles back to what we were saying at the beginning. There is no there. Because if you think when I make this much money, then I'll be comfortable. Nope, because probably when you made that much money, now you've got a lot more employees. Look, now you're responsible for eight people. And now you've got to figure out how to grow to the next level. So you're going to be uncomfortable again. And it feels also a metaphor for life, which is if you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, with the fact that, You cannot control life. Life is unpredictable. And if you can just work on your ability to sit in discomfort, the world's kind of your oyster. Because you really want it to be more about, it's not a matter of controlling what happens. It's a matter of whatever happens, I'm going to build my confidence that I can figure it out. It relates exactly to what your podcast is about, which is change. That's about change is going to come. And how you deal with change, that's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because as you probably don't talk about all these women they've probably got a million different stories of change some they predicted probably most of it they didn't Sandra Bullock always says all the stuff that I worried about like most of it didn't happen other stuff happened but the stuff that I spent <laughs> yeah. my time worrying about didn't
0: yeah that is the thing because you you worry about everything to such a great detail and then the exact the one thing you didn't think about is the thing that's gonna happen <laughs> yep I think that's a really good motto for business. And Tracy, is that do you have one as well?
1: Yeah, that's actually one of our favorite ones. We use it a lot because it's one of our favorites. But mine is from somebody also we interviewed right at the beginning. Her name was Kelly Lavelle, and she's actually a millennial influencer. She's amazing. And what she said is she said, No, you can and do it. And she was talking about we are waiting for the right time and the right moment. And maybe we should wait. And she's just do it. If you've got this idea. No, you can and do it. And I just love that it's always stuck with me because there is no perfect time and you're gonna fuck up, you're gonna screw up. It doesn't matter. Just do it.
0: Do you think you say she's a millennial? So, you know, maybe she has a slightly more I've got my whole life ahead of me. But As we are getting into a different stage, like you said, I think the third act of life, do you think that there is something to just doing it? Because there's, I don't want to say more of a rush, but you've done the other acts. Now, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to do what I love.
1: I think there is some of that. Also, It's funny. I remember my grandmother saying she'd walk by a mirror and she'd say, who is that old lady? She wouldn't (laughs) recognize who she was. She goes, who is that person? And even though I'm in, just when I started this in our 50s, most of my friends were like joining book clubs and playing homage. And here I am taking, both of us took savings to start this business. Maybe it's just who you are, but... I don't think it matters how old you are. There are 75 year old women who've just started doing weightlifting. I don't think, I, I think we look at age in the wrong way and we think, oh, wow, well, we shouldn't be doing this because we're this age. And I don't think it makes a difference. I think it's all how you look at it. So whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, maybe Jess and I, maybe in our 60s or 70s, we'll start something else. It's just. There is no right time.
2: No, and I would say, just to give a little bit of background on Kelly, she was amazing because, yes, she was a millennial, but she'd had, I didn't she give me specifics? I think it was something to do with her heart, but she'd been hospitalized for a year or two in high school. She's a really quirky-looking girl. She looks, she's got curly hair. She looks kind of like a a Barbie or whatever it is. She wears these hair accessories. She's got this light voice. It would be really easy to dismiss her. Like to be be like who's this kind of la 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 la? and she said she got a lot of information she went into the sciences she was not taken seriously at university she was one of the only females because she had the curly hair and wore pink and she had sparkles on her lab coat and she was just stuck to who she is and she said that's how people know her i mean this is a woman whose young girl has met the queen works with the un and she just was herself she hung on to her unique value and i think she was young but it's like maybe that experience of even just, okay, I'm going to go out there now because I've experienced what can happen to you. And yes. as Tracy would say on the other spectrum, one of our favorite interviews was with an 80-something-year-old comedian who started doing stand-up in her
1: 70s. She's actually in England. She's amazing. Do you remember her name, Jess? I'm she's blanking. So I'm
2: so embarrassed.
1: So but- she's, and she's also American, and she came to England, and I think in London now, and she's a stand-up comedian in her 80s. She has, I think she was 86. We interviewed her last year. She's hysterical. She's doing stand-up. She just started in her 80s doing stand-up. <laughs> yeah. Ruth something. You should definitely have her on your podcast. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll send you her information on She's hysterical. <laughs> Make that
0: connection. I guess the reason I asked the question based on age is, and maybe this is why somebody might find it easier becoming a comedian, for example, in their 80s, because sometimes you just don't care anymore. So I think that's kind of one of the things, too, about when you get older and you just say, I'm just going to do it.
1: I think there's a sense too when you're older that you're not so caught up in the, I have to look a certain way, I have to be a certain way. We all went through that in our 20s. We, I mean, I remember having the perm because everyone had perm as I look back and <laughs> what was I doing with that perm? And as you get older, you do, you're do. you right, you do stop caring so much about what other people think. And I think that comes with age. You were right. It's Lynn Ruth Miller. Lynn Ruth Miller. She is, is hysterical. Um, I will look her You would up. love to have her on your show. She'll make you laugh. You might. Well, some of it's X-rated. And
2: she even, she even said, like, when she first started doing comedy, she did regular jokes. But when she started being herself and talking about being in her 70s and being a comedian and making fun of herself, she took off because she had that unique perspective. She's just hysterical.
0: There is just something about honesty. I was talking to a um, painter, a fine artist for the show. And she just talked about being an honest artist. And we were just comparing that to anything, whether you're a business person or whether you're any kind of creative or being your honest self is when it starts working. So I obviously will put all of your details in the show notes so people can find you. But is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know, whether it's about finding you, about She's On Top, or just leaving them with a certain message?
2: I think we should leave them with Kelly's message. No, you can and do it. And also help somebody like it's like when you can't you've got another woman in your life that you want to help or somebody reaches out to them help them because it'll come back it's all good karma but that's our strength as women it's collaborations and, and support
1: yeah i would agree with jess and we love meeting all different types of women reach out to us you do not have to become a member but we have a newsletter where we share really fun interesting cool things in it and we always love hearing people's stories so if you're interested you can find us Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, on our website, she's on top.com. And we love to hear your story. So we'd love to, to hear your story. We would love to hear everybody's story. That's our favorite thing.
0: It's my favorite thing too. So thank <laughs> you both for coming on and sharing a bit of your stories and a lot about she's on top. And I wish you so much success with it. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you. Thank you. After speaking with Jessica and Tracy, I looked for the comedian Lynn Ruth Miller in the hope of bringing her on the show. Unfortunately, Lynn Ruth passed away earlier this month. For anyone listening in London, a comedy and cabaret tribute gig is taking place at the Phoenix Artist Club on October 11th, what would have been Lynn Ruth's 88th birthday. It's also being live-streamed for those of you who can't make it to London, so I'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. The second chapter is just getting started, so your subscriptions and five-star reviews mean so much. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them, with a specific focus on women 35 plus. For more about Slackline, visit slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.